I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today, because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. As there is no doubt where we have to start the show today because I have Brian and Cheddar back after last Thursday and you have a fella who never picked up a hurl in his life other than to kill flowers when he was a, a, a very, very young boy. And you have a man who's never, you have two um, very, very inexperienced, very experienced hurling people and you have me schooling ye on the big game of the weekend, Limerick hammering tip, I called it. The two of you went for Tipperary. Brian, I'm going to throw to you. The stop clock is twice right. It's uh, right twice a day. You got lucky. I know you didn't get lucky at all. Um, oh, sure, look. I have to hold their hands up on that one. Um, you know, Limerick were just awesome, I suppose. Is the only way to describe them. They, they just blitzed them from start to finish. And they made a mockery of the conditions. Um, anyone that said that the conditions might hamper their their you know, fluidity and the way that they used the ball, they put that to bed fairly quickly. They were just... Um, unbelievable and if you were a Tipperary supporter or Liam Sheedy or any of that management team you'd be scratching your head at the end of it going looking for positives at the end of that it'd be very very hard find so yeah hands up Woolly we got it wrong hands up Cheddar look we can't be right every every week no I did say to the last time that you can't come up with that old story anymore <laughs> really, but you don't know what I heard I mean, you're listening to it a long time now at this day <laughs> By the way, I've never heard you crowing before, Woolly, but this is the first time. Back to the serious stuff, um, I agree with Brian. Limerick were awesome, um, but I think we're all just amazed by the performance at Tipperary. The, um, look, they knew what was coming with Limerick. This is the really surprising thing about Tipperary's performance last, last weekend. Their lack of intensity, their standing off the man, 
Uh, they're not tracking runners, not spotting danger areas to cut them off. In other words, allowing limited players into it before you be, before you uh, body check them getting in there. Um, their ball handling, which we would have always said for Tipperary, was put them ahead of everybody else. Um, you know, unforced errors, you know, and I don't want to bring up the Mark Kyo one because I, I have great regard for Mark Kyo, Sam, and if it's given cup final down in Cork, uh, Mark Mout has been a, a player for the future. Um, you know, soloing in with the ball, nobody really near him, spills it unchallenged, the ball goes back down the field when he had a breeze behind him and he needs to take the point. And even the indecisiveness of that was really surprising for Tipperary. And the sort of the lack of physicality, how many times did Tip lose the ball in possession coming out through a Limerick tackle? And it wasn't as if Limerick were ripping the skin off them or anything like that. They just turned it over. Um, and, and I suppose, you know, there's probably a couple of things. You know, did Tip think, you know, even the, the way the Tip set up, a lack of a tackling half-forward line, um, you know, did, did, did Tip think they were going to absorb the Limerick game plan and outscore them? And did they think that by doing that, they were going to win the game by getting at the Tipperary full back line. Um, and I suppose the, the, the other point that I was really surprised about, I mean, Paddy Maher was a, probably a free man, probably the most accurate long striker or one of them in Ireland. Um, and I didn't see a, a whole lot of instances other than a couple of puckouts where they tried to cre- create the 2-1-1 the coming off the back line to free him up in the half back line to be able to pick the pass, 60, 70, 80 metre pass up the field to forwards, to really good shooters. And it just didn't happen. Um, and I, I suppose my last, I have two further points, and I was really surprised that that happened temporarily with Liam Sheedy over him because, I, you know, th- th- you know that's Lee, Liam's uh, strong point, I would have always said, is he has the ability to have the finger on the pulse of a physical performance in the team. And, you know, I was just surprised about that. And the last point I'd make is, how does it happen temporarily just too many times? I mean, the same thing happened with Michael Ryan. You know, the turn up the next year, a little bit undercooked, it looked like. But 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 in everything, you know, in the way they set up, in the intensity of their game, um, uh, their game plan, their decisiveness on the ball, for some reason or other, winning all Ireland and Tip doesn't turn up the next year. You know, so it's, I'm just surprised at all of that. And I'm not just using that as an excuse. Limerick were awesome. But were they made awesome by Tip? Just not being at the pitch of the game. Yeah, maybe maybe it was, like I'd say Limerick were, were probably awesome. What what did you make of the changes, Brian? Because like I mean, it is an old cliche in GA circles that you don't change a winning team. We know Limerick have an awesome team with no weak points really, and that's even with a couple of injuries. And then they go and pull uh, Kyle Hayes, who was brilliant the last day at centre half forward, and Keen Lynch, who's their who's their main man in midfield, and put Lynch at centre forward, Hayes at wing back. Now, I was saying on Monday, I agree with Lynch at centre-forward, but I thought Kyle Hayes was a bit lost in the game at centre-back. But it just shows that not only are they awesome, that they're tactically flexible. Yeah, they are. And I suppose they look at those maybe middle third or those eight positions as as fluid, as you said, that they can actually interchange among them. Um, I suppose both players, you know, if we just start with the Keane Lynch thing, I thought he was quite anonymous against Clare, um, quite for his standards, I suppose. Um, He got a couple of... You know, he got a great score and he did a couple of great flicks and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, for his standards, he probably wasn't at the kind of st- standards that you'd expect. Putting him to centre forward was a master stroke, obviously. You know, he just ran ran the show from there. They looked at it. They knew that Polymar would maybe sit into the pocket and look to dictate things from back there. But I suppose they felt that if they could get Keane Lynch on that ball to spray that ball around and take shots when needed to, that um, they really could hurt them from that avenue. And... Um, you know, Kyle Hayes, 
uh, while he can be very, very effective as a centre forward, he's, he's direct running, he's obviously he's big, he's strong, but he can miss simple point scoring opportunities. And we probably saw that against uh, Clare as well, even, you know, simple points that he should be able to score, whereas yeah. Keane Lynch nailed them. It was a big call putting him back, wing back, I suppose, with Kyle Hayes, because I know Darrell Donovan obviously is a lot more at home playing midfield and, and played there when they won the All-Ireland. And obviously William, Will, William O'Donoghue had, um, is hurling so well, he deserves his play starting. But Kyle Hayes going back to wing back was definitely a left, left field move. I didn't see it coming. I don't think too many people seen that coming. Um, but I suppose it comes back to the way that they're set up and it allows him to um, hurl that relatively easily, I suppose, because they, they just have to hurl what's in front of them, get involved in the physical stakes. Um, and wing back is one probably one of the easier places on the field to play, especially when you have a really good structure in front of you where the half back line or the half forward line and midfield actually fall back into the pocket. But I suppose the the big thing for me in Limerick is there is there ability to stick to, the, to their game plan there, it doesn't seem to be anything rocket science about it in terms of they leave two inside one of the inside men come out comes out a bit almost as a fourth half forward but the other thing is yeah just just on that if anyone was ever yeah. in any doubt about those tactics we saw the yeah. tactics board we yeah that was mad the, um i'd say they weren't too happy with the sunday game honing in and that or or maybe they were maybe that was to throw people <laughs> but um yeah that was yeah very very simple tactics but you can see I think the other thing is, and, and we've talked about this before, and, and it's something that I've really begun to notice with Limerick, is they're very, very um, just disciplined in the fact that they hold their six backs more or less in the, in the six positions. Like Barry Nash was left free for large parts of that first half, but he didn't leave two, of, um, two guys left inside, because that's what Tipperary tried to do. Um, you know, they tried to leave... Jake Morris and Mark Hill at times inside. Sometimes it was only Jake Morris inside. Um, and, and so it was, it was mad that Barry Nash just stayed there. You know, obviously they would have looked at him being the, the more suited of the three in the full back line to hurl loose ball if needed to be. Um, but yeah, very, very disciplined. And they all know their role and they're, they're excellent at um, picking up players when they come into their area. So it, it's almost like a sonal defence, but uh, it works really well. But what does it all hinge on? It hinges on their half-forward line, um, which is arguably the, the most lethal uh, line that they have. The, the work rate that those three men get through, no matter who it seems to be, um, it, it's absolutely excellent because they not only filter back and um, look for out-ball off their half-back line in midfield. They carry ball, obviously, into the tackle and carry it particularly into the wind, but they're also to get up the field and shoot as well. So, to me, it's that half-forward line is is key to Limerick being so strong. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Premier, in, in other news, um, yesterday, GEA's Fixtures Task Force, they, they uh, published an updated um, uh, restructure model yesterday. And what they're, what they're um, suggesting, Cheddar, is that well? This is going to happen um, because it's one of the. It's it's in both of their new proposals, and they're proposing that the All Ireland finals are, are played no later than July the twenty fourth. Uh, Cheddar, what what do you what do you think of that? And then obviously, club gets a full interrupted August, September, October, November, December. Would you be happy with that? I I think when you look at um, you know the way the thing has gone this year, there's definitely going to be changes coming. I think you know it was. Uh, maybe it was as the result of COVID. This wasn't what was originally planned, by the way. Um, so I, I think it's a step along the way. But I think I think you need to look at absolutely every aspect of this, including the PR of the game, including finance and all of this thing, because it's very, very easy for a whole lot of club players 
and club people, and I support this myself, to say, look, let, let's give us the right window here. But actually, there's an awful lot of other things, and clubs are dependent on finance, and clubs are dependent on GDAs, and all of these people going into their clubs for the, the development of the game. So I, I, I certainly don't think... Um, you know, uh, an off-the-cuff comment for me here is sufficient to actually look at that. I think, only to be honest with you, it needs a complete show uh, around this with, you know, a proper time to think about the whole thing's true. But yeah. I think just uh, if I was to give that one comment, and I said a minute ago, I wouldn't. Um, if I was to give it, I think there's certainly change coming and there certainly needs to be windows, you know, whether that's an integrated championship or whether it's two separate windows to it. Um, and, you know, properly done, not like last year where you have, you were given sort of quasi four weeks in April, which never really happened in any county, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, so I think it's coming. I think it's not coming until 2022, though. Uh, no, um, it won't be next year. It won't be next year. The, kind of the, the standout lines in it uh, for, from the hurling point of view, I don't think that you're worried, Cheddar, about finances should be an issue because we're not going to be cutting out any games out of it. It's just going to be condensed and brought a little bit earlier rather than mid-July. It's, it's mid, rather than mid-August, it's mid-July. I know, but when you look, finance is not just games. Finance is the PR of the game. Finance is, uh, um, you know, have you a window to be able to present your game properly? Have you a window to be able to attract sponsors to your TV and all of those? It's a much wider issue than that. And right. it's a very, very serious issue. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, we're just interested in the games. You know, we're, we're, we're people that are interested in the games rather than the wider aspects of how the game can develop. And I, I just think that, you know, clearly the focus needs to be on the games. Clearly the focus needs to be on players and supporters and all of the people involved. And it's a people's game. But nonetheless, you've got to look at all of the aspects. And I just think that, you know, you know, we've had the GPA and the CPA and every other PA and the GA. All of them have different sort of plans. And it just bothers me a little bit that none of them really get in the room together or appoint people to get into the room together and think about all of these things through and come up with the right plan then. It just seems to be, you know, a sort of a sticky plaster solution all of the time in these things. And I, I can't understand how all of the stakeholders in this cannot appoint their best people and put them all into the one room. And I hate the word committee. I don't want to even hear, but just get a group like that to come yeah. up and and solve all of the issues here and everybody be satisfied and then just go with it. But well, don't, no, they, were, they actually were on this one, Cheddar. They, were, they all had representatives on this. I don't uh, think they had, Woody. I, I don't think they had. I don't think the CPA... I think oh, the they CPA, were. The, C, the CPA pulled yeah. out. You see, it's probably not really a, a, a more... It was more of a football issue than a hurling issue. This is restructuring the football championship. I think the mm. hurling doesn't really have restructure. It's more the time frame of the hurling, you know, is going to be moved back to July. But the CPA absolutely had... A representation on it because they pulled out uh, towards the end because I, they, they, I think they did though but I think they pulled out really because they, they, they didn't appear or they didn't see appear themselves that they didn't seem to themselves that they had sufficient representation there that their, their voice wasn't heard or that I don't know I don't know the details but again it was just these articles I read but I, I, I think we all agree that this year has been obviously very, very unusual, but it has definitely given um, a burning platform to look at this whole thing again and get it right. And, and I think it won't be got right until everybody, a representative at least of everybody, is put in the one group to get it right. And I'd be just a little bit concerned that if that doesn't happen, you'll still have quingers on the sideline and the thing won't get done right. That's my concern about it, Woody. I just want to go back to Kyle Hayes, Woody. I want to go back to Kyle Hayes. Um, Kyle Hayes was one of the best under centre-backs that has ever played 
and him going wing back last weekend was uh, going back last weekend was a surprise, but him as a wing back is not a surprise. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I take um, uh, Brian's point. I'd be very interested to know the Limerick tactics on that because you would have said. I would have thought that he might have been there, that, you know, they were second-guessing that Tiberi were going to play, play a defensive wing forward um, and that if he was going to step back the field, uh, you know, looking after, we'll say, Hegarty or somebody like that, that they needed a really leggy wing back to carry ball. But I would have thought Paddy Lachlan was that type of player. So I'm interested, you know, was Paddy Lachlan injured or something like that? You know, what was the, the reason for making that change? Um, I, I think I was surprised with one other thing, and I'm going back to the tip, uh, to the whole tip approach. Um why didn't our name or team? I mean, everybody, once I saw Alan Flynn and that team, they knew Alan Flynn was going to man Marquee Lynch, wherever he was. Um, and, you know, I was just surprised by the whole tip approach to that game. Right, so they named Alan Flynn in midfield before the yeah. game, and it was very obvious. What you, you you think potentially Limerick might have changed things around based on the Tipperary team? No, I don't I, I don't think so, um, because I think the Kyle Hayes matchup with Pardy probably would have suited Pardy more, definitely more than Keane Lynchwood. Uh, um, you know, so they may have made it because of that reason. And they may have made it because maybe Paddy O'Loughlin was injured and they wanted that, you know, leggy player um, at seven to be able to carry ball because the tip wing forward is not going to be there. Now, Brian makes a good point. If, if you were going to have that type of player there, he, he would shoot from long range and that's not Kyle's forte. So I'm just I'm just a little bit unclear on, 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 on that. But certainly once you saw Alan Flynn there, you knew he was going to be man-marking uh, yeah. wherever he was going to be. And then, of course, they may very well put Keane centre forward to, to bring Alan Alan Flynn into centre back, which yeah. you know wouldn't he wouldn't might have had the height in that to be able to play there. No, but you know what? Like I mean, I do feel that sometimes we're shortchanged with post match interviews um, with stuff like this. Wouldn't you love the, the managers to answer questions on this rather than those generic? Oh, it was a tough day at the office. You know this kind of thing, Brian. Like I mean, and this is across all broadcasters. I think there's a, a serious lack of asking managers about about stuff, and if they the problem is if they pawn you off, there's never a follow up answer. You know this kind of way. You don't. I would love John Colley to explain why. Yeah, he did this that. was. It's just not the done thing in the GAS was. And Brendan Rogers, I suppose, was refreshing the night for Leicester. He he said before the game exactly what he was going to do to Leeds and went out and did it during the match. So, um, it, it's mad, you know. Um, it would be great, you know, if he he doesn't know as an explanation. But I suppose it would just give that little bit more insight. Um. We've maybe seen it a couple of times in soccer. I can think of Jurgen Klopp obviously going to Monday Night Football and explaining some of his tactics as well. And it ha- it has. Yeah, but he's asked. I, I don't. I, was John Kiley actually asked about specifically yeah. those things? I don't yeah, remember him being too, asked. I suppose it's, um, it can be a little bit harder in in the situation straight after a game. So. I don't know. It, it, I suppose it's yeah. different. It's just not the done thing. But uh, I definitely appreciate your point. Just to go back to the to for the split season, I have to say um, it, it's been very welcome on the ground by by club players in, in in particular. Obviously, it's not been pushed from pillar to post. The club month in April, on the whole, didn't work across most counties because some counties obviously didn't use use that month to actually play it, um, play club games. And obviously those that did sometimes were hampered because the other counties were training away for the month or had full access to their players. So I suppose it was um, a little bit of to and fro from that perspective. Uh, the committee, and you know, and that's maybe why the CPA were, were so frustrated. They felt that it, it was a viable option, but um, the GA were very slow to embrace the, the whole idea of the, the split season. Um, and maybe maybe people on the ground, um, some people were as well. But it's only, I suppose, when it was being forced upon us through COVID that we've seen how well it actually worked. Yeah. So it's amazing how some of these, you know, 
some of these things just happen to work out um, in the long run and for the best. Um, I, I think it'll be something to, to look forward to. You're saying it'll be 2022. Yes, officially. But even yeah. next year, I was just thinking, because John Horn has come out on record and saying that the National Leagues won't probably start until February at the earliest. It's going to be very hard to see an actual, actual designated club window then being offered in April or even May if, 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 if um, that uh, you know, actually happens. Because I still think we're going to have um, an unusual uh, situation next year in that they can't really give the go-ahead until they actually see where we're at with COVID in terms of national lockdowns and all that sort of thing. And we also do know that, obviously, that... Um, you know, the intercounty game can proceed even if we're in level five. So it still might be officially in for 2021. But, you know, I would say that more than likely we'll still have some form of a split season. Yeah, we'll have, we'll, we'll have probably have a strange season. I think the, the Gaelic football restructures that are proposed are probably a bit too complicated and to be voted in next year. But uh, uh, definitely next year is going to be a mix mash of all sorts of stuff. I'd, I'd imagine like if the All-Ireland champions win at the end of December they're not going to be out in the league in February you'd imagine so we'll have to see what happens on that Premier Lee Chin has been talking during the week um, about Davy Fitzgerald's comments after the game uh, Cheddar and we know what Davy said he said I'm, I'm involved in hurling to compete I'm not involved in fucking hurling to go out there and put up a white flag and hand Galway a game like we did tonight it's absolutely horrendous and I'm not happy with it so Lee said during the week he said um, he did mention that he was speaking on behalf of us all which I thought he was fairly correct Obviously, it was very disappointing for myself, for us. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn here, Cheddar, whether what's wrong with a manager being frustrated and giving out at a very lacklustre performance? Or are we kind of borrowing the whole soccer kind of interview where a manager never criticizes his players, you know, for fear of losing the dressing room? Like, are players that sensitive? You know, Lee, Lee, Lee Chin doesn't seem to be that sensitive. I think it was really, really important that Lee Chin said what he did as captain of the team, Willie. Um, look, Davey's obviously very, very experienced um, and this has worked for him in the past and, you know, he knows the buttons to press here. And uh, Wexford are a very, very emotive team and play and play like that. Uh, and, you know, we might just talk about them in a minute. Um, so, and I suppose the other thing is, when did Davey say it? Did he say it, say it directly after, after the game was over? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and it may very well have been a knee-jerk reaction to it. And, you know, you can... But but I would imagine uh, all managers, and definitely Davey, would have thought about that beforehand. You know, the what-ifs. What if the, the game goes this way against us? What's my reaction? Because all your actions and what you say and your body language and all of those things uh, after a game like that are really, really important. Um, but I think it's... It, it, you, you That's fine. Um, I think if you're pointing the finger at the team as they were at fault... You have to be clear that you didn't have that you didn't have a, a responsibility for that performance. It has to be clear to everybody because it may be. And I'm not saying last Sunday we'll talk about Wexford maybe in a, in a minute. Um, but if it was the management's fault that about the lack of you know the performance or the wrong team was in the field or something like that, and then you're blaming the team, you know that can come against you. you need, I think you need to be really, really. Um, clear and really really certain that what you, that first of all your own house is in order and that what you're saying is is going to is going to stimulate the team for the following performance um so that's why i would be a little bit worried if it was said immediately after the final quiz or something like that have you have you pre-planned this beforehand and most managers would um and you know what you have said is that the right thing to say at that time because you can't take it back and and uh, I, I think that's the 
crucial part about that. Are you pointing the finger at somebody? It was your fault and I am blameless here. And if you are, that's fine. Then and I think that's why it was so important that Lee, uh, you know, came in behind uh, um, Davy after that and more or less reiterated what he said. Yeah, well, in, in a way, um, Brian, like, I mean, if Davy prepared the team and we know he'd be meticulous enough, like he usually does, and the preparations would have been along the normal lines and Wexford go out against Galway and there doesn't seem to be the same fight as there usually is. Like, does Dave even have to include we in that or can he not just say they didn't fight tonight? I think Davey fits. Um, does, does, yeah. We know now, we know now David never likes to no. criticise himself, but that's a yeah. different kind of thing. Is it all right to say they didn't fight tonight? I think that's a bit of a, uh, yeah. They did fight for the first 20 minutes. I think the, the goal was a hammer blow. Um, they were probably in the game up to then. Um, it was a very, very soft goal to give away. Probably a mistake. Uh, misjudgment by Mark Fanning probably should have stayed in the line because there was, there was, you know, the, if the ball had fallen, he was in a much better position to be able to deal with it. Um, so, you know, as the game go on, I think it's, it's one of those things where obviously Galway were buoyed by what was working for them. They had, they had quelled... Wexford's enthusiasm. Um, usually, Wexford like to bully other teams, and they're they're the ones that kind of they hunt in packs, hunt in numbers, they turn they turn players over, they make things really really difficult for their opposition team. And obviously, usually their dynamic sweeper, we'll call it, um, is very very effective, and it causes a lot of consternation among the opposition teams. But Galway are one of these teams that have found a way around. Um, that Wexford team on a number of occasions now. You think back to the Leinster final a couple of years yeah. ago, you think back to Wexford Park two years ago where they absolutely destroyed them. And a lot of it comes back to sheer physicality. Now, when I know they were missing uh, Jonathan Glynn, but they still had a huge team out last weekend. And I suppose that element of physical domination, which Wexford usually bring to the game, uh, wasn't there because that Galway team were physically able to stand up to them. And I think they broke their spirit um, as the game went along. We also have to bear in mind that this Wexford team has trained extremely hard. This is year four for David. We, it's you know it's well documented how hard he pushes his players. There's also been plenty of rumours about how early this Wexford team has been back and how they practically, um, while they mightn't have, mightn't have been training collectively during lockdown, the initial lockdown, they were still training extremely hard and pushed very hard. And... You know, th- that has a mental toll on it. You know, when you have worked that hard and then suddenly these plans are not coming to fruition um, on the day on the day of the game, you know, it, it can, I suppose, knock some of that life out of you and that energy out of you as it goes on. So I agree with Cheddar in terms of it was very important that Lee Chin um, came out and defended Davies. Um, comments. Um, we can see then that they clearly have a united group. <laughs> I think it's a co- complete contrast to that. Uh, the last man I remember to do that was um, Babs Keaton did it to Offaly in 1998 when he said Offaly were sheep in the heap and Johnny Pilkin came out and lambasted them in RT News afterwards So, and we know what happened after that. So uh, we won't see a revolt in Wexford, um, that's for sure, based on those comments from Lee Chin. But remember, Lee is obviously a very, very trusted lieutenant of, of Dave Fitzgerald's and he believes fully in what they're doing and where they're going. So I think Davey was measured. I know he was, he, you can say he, he spoke emotionally and, and with a lot of emotion after that game, but he still was measured in what he was saying. He knew that it, what he was trying to do was look um, 
to spark a reaction in their next game. You know, obviously they've we know now they've got a yeah. boy, but he's it's knockout hurling the next time. If he 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 knew that it wouldn't be acceptable for a performance like that the next time, and if he doesn't get a reaction out of his players, and considering how hard he pushes them, um, you know that you know it's it this is last chance saloon really for David Fitz and this Wexford team. Yeah, it probably is. Um, another bit of news there this week, lads, that uh, I got, I, I was fierce surprised when I saw it, is Henry Shefton looks like he's going to manage Thomastown. Um, so Thomastown have lost the last two intermediate uh, finals. Um, I think they were beaten on penalties this year, actually, in the intermediate finals. And then I was thinking, like, Henry Shefton had a chance to go for three in a row with Ballyhill Shamrocks. And now he's... He, he he didn't continue on with Ballyhill Shamrocks, and now he might be going to manage Thomastown, who were intermediate level. So I was amazed to see that, and I started googling. Did some oil consortium from the Middle East take over Thomastown <laughs> with, <laughs> with with bags full of gold or something? But like, I mean, I'm not going to ask you to comment on that cheddar because I know um, you won't go down that road. But anyways, listen, he's gone. He 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 he. he again, this is still just a rumor, I suppose, cheddar. Uh, yeah, um, look, it's not certain. Uh, I know I've seen it around in a couple of areas and a couple of national newspapers and that as well. Um, so I'm assuming, well, just for the, for the sake of the discussion, assume it to be true. Um, I suppose, look, first of all, they're quite close to um, Henry's home. Thomastown is, is is probably bordering on on um, on Ballyhale. Um, for you know an urban area in the middle of a hurling heartland, they've had surprising lack of success. I think the Thomastown maybe might have won the championship in the 40s. I do remember being at a Kilkenny County final, maybe late 80s, that they were well beaten in. Um, you know, so they've had a, a sort of you know for a, a, a club that and of fantastic facilities. Um, you know, Thomastown has two fantastic pitches and they've done a lot of work with their pitches and with their grounds in the last couple of years and upgraded them. Um, the River Nore nearly circles the two pitches. It's a very, it's a very, very nice area, very nice pitches and a lot of matches take place there. And I can actually, the, the River Nore flows actually right beside the pitch and I can actually remember um, my mom talked to me when I was a kid about actually coming up the river going to matches in, in Thomastown in a cot and I thought she was talking about the cot that you push but it was years later I found out <laughs> that cot was a little boat but anyway, um, Thomastown and they have the, you know they have um, you know they have some serious players that are past it's, you know, it's the home of a few Kilkenny hurling legends Dick O'Hara was a Thomastown man Ollie Walsh was a Thomastown man um, there's an actual monument to him on the road into the pitch there um, and I can remember Tom Walsh, who unfortunately uh, um, he, he got an unfortunate injury in the '67 All Ireland. He was a Thomastown man, so they have history there. Um, and but uh, they're, they're not dissimilar, to be honest with you, to Tullaroa in the last couple of years. They've lost two intermediate finals in Kilkenny with a very, very good team. Um, so there's nothing saying you know Tullaroa lost two, and then they went down and won an All Ireland intermediate in against Father Neils in Croke Park last February. Yeah. There's nothing, but the Thomastown are well fitted doing that, and they've three or four Donnellys and John Joe Farrells with him. Um, there was a very, very good player with him a couple of years ago. Now I haven't seen a player last year, uh, Tucker O'Hanrahan. So they, they have definitely serious potential. There's obviously serious ambition in the club to 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 do the restructuring, the physical restructuring, and that that they're doing. Um, and certainly, if Henry was to go in there, you would say he will definitely get him over the line. And and you know, obviously, 
there's great opportunities for a breakthrough for Thomas Down and Kilkenny go on and you know they, certainly to get through Kilkenny they could go on and win an All-Ireland intermediate club and then you know sets him up really really well then for the Kilkenny senior champs after that so if he did go in there um, I just think it would be a huge bonus to get Henry on board with the club and clearly they're ambitious clearly they're a very very good team they've been favourites for the Kilkenny intermediate for the last two years um, and just didn't get over the line and if they do you wouldn't know where they would go yeah, it'd be interesting. Keep your eye out to see how how that uh, pans out. Derry versus Offaly, the Christie Ring Cup, Brian. Like it, it, it definitely reads a little bit strange to me. I'm sure it does that by multiplied by a hundred. Um, for you, where where Offaly at? Like, I mean, not didn't blow people away during the league. Like, I mean, lost to Kerry, drew at Antrim, and then obviously had the issues in the last round. Um, and had to give a walkover. Like last last weekend. New managers like Shane O'Neill and Liam Cahill showed that you know time is not a factor in getting the team out and performing well. Yeah, um, the last time Offaly played Derry in Championship was an All Ireland quarter final in two thousand, if I'm if my memory serves me correct. And Offaly uh, did enough that day to obviously um, get get their way to an All Ireland semi final. But oh, look, you know it's 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 mad territory we're in. It's mad that we had to actually concede a game the last day. Um, we know it was through no fault of the of of the panel, and um, kind of it was. You know, I spoke about this. I, I, it's very easy to understand now why they actually handed away the game as as opposed to actually fulfilling the fixture maybe with the under twenties. So you know, I suppose the players themselves will be looking forward to it. They did have a mixed league. I fully agree with you. There, there was two big games standing out in that league that they had to win. They had to to beat Kerry and they had to beat Antrim in, in order, or at least beat one of them to get to the league final. And you know they. They lost to Kerry and then obviously they, they drew with Antrim when they were completely in control. Two late goals cost them that. So ultimately the results just weren't good enough during that league. Um, uh, where, where are they at? Um, very hard to tell. They played a couple of practice matches and they performed reasonably well. I think we'll see a, probably a bit of a new look off the team. Um, you know, Ben Keneally obviously will be there. They're looking to get Ushin Kelly onto it, but Owen Cal, I suppose, will be out the field. I think that'll be one of the big things. You know, he's been a sharpshooter for, for Borough over the last number of years and he's been in goal for Offaly, but I think he'll be out the field now and um, hitting the freeze. So expect him to put up a big tally from, from place balls, certainly. So they'll, they'll certainly try to integrate some of those younger players like David Nally into the team as well. Should they have enough for Derry? Um, considering that Derry had only last weekend playing three of their Schlock Neal team, um, you would think that Offaly will have enough. It's amazing. It's it's not the only county we see it happen. Schlockneil being one of the best club teams in the country, um, but they don't. A lot of the players don't end up playing for the county. Obviously, you have the likes of Chrissy McKay and Brendan Rogers play football. I couldn't see. Maybe we're going to see a big rabbit out of the hat. Couldn't see them coming in with maybe five or six days notice into the panel and actually be playing um, this Saturday. But. Uh, You'd be assuming that they'll only have a handful of Slough Neal players as well. So, bearing that in mind, I think um, you know you'd be hoping that Offaly should have enough done to, to actually win that game on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll see how that goes. Come here. We'll leave it there, lads, and we'll be back with Darren Gleeson. I'd never be allowed to go off and eat a heap of shite like him, and you know a slob or whatever. Like I was always doing a bit. I remember, all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered on the way in there. I threw the ball up in there. I don't know, it was, it was pure luck, no one fairness. Pure luck. Ah, uh, but it's fucking bullshit, as you see yourselves.
So Antrim have made a great start to the Joe McDonough Cup. They hammered Westmead in round one and drew away to Carlo uh, last weekend. And their manager, Darren Gleeson, joins us on the line now. How's it going, Darren? Good now, Colin, and yourself? Good, good. I've interrupted your commute all the way up to Antrim. Yeah, that's it. Just on the way up the road here now to uh, to training tonight there in uh, Jordanstown. So we um, we base ourselves there at the University of Ulster for the midweek training. So it's um, you know a good location. Looking forward to getting there now again tonight. All right, very good. There must be great facilities there. Yeah, there is. You know, top class, top class facilities there. It's, uh, um, sport and I have their you know their strength conditioning and their um, and their athletics. Uh, Available to us there as athletics uh, facilities and that available to us as well. So it's you know it's a really good, really good place to plan. Yeah, that that that's a good deal. Is that the Antrim County Board kind of struck that deal with them, or did you get involved to get in there? No, the Antrim have been using it for a few years. So ourselves and the footballers are both both based up there, and you know we train side by side. It's very easy there for you know the catering and uh, for gym use, and you know really it's a really good base. Antrim themselves have a. You know, they have a centre of excellence in Dunsilly, but it's uh I suppose it's in the early stages where they're um you know, the pitches and the dressing rooms and that are in place, but it has to be floodlit yet and you know, right. a few other things to be done to it. So um so we use that then in Dunsilly at the weekends and we just use Jordanstown then during the week. All right, very good. Um you must be delighted with the start so far as manager. We know you've been up with Antrim before with Liam Sheedy. You're out on your own now, you've won the division two A league and you've had a great start to the Joe McDonough Cup. Yeah, no, we have we've had a we've had a good year. Um this was the league, you know, being really honest about it, the, the league was the main aim for us, uh, to try and get Antrim back up into the into the top twelve. Um, you know, that's where the lads are really gonna, you know, learn and improve. So earlier on in the year, especially with those in the stronger counties, um, might be experimenting trying to find some new players, you know, it's a good time for for you know Antrim and the teams coming from Division Two A to be pitting themselves against the top teams, so that was yeah. the, that was the primary aim is to get up there. And I suppose you know not looking too far ahead, it's about stabilising yourself uh, up there. You know Leash have done that now, Westmead have done it, um, Carlo on the other extreme they came back down this year. So it's about stabilising in the league would be would be a long term priority for Antrim. As if to do that, you have to get up first, and we we achieved that goal earlier on the time. Yeah, and that's um, good. Yeah, go on. And then, um, you know, the Joe McDonough, of course, is live and going on now at the moment. So we, we had a difficult start in it. You know, Westmead and Carlo, you'd be saying Westmead last finalist last two years, and Carlo coming back down out of the Leinster Championship. Um, they were going to be, it's, it was going to be a tough start. So you'd be quite happy coming away with three points after those two games. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that Neil McManus got injured a few minutes into the league final and hasn't featured yet in the Joe McDonough. Like, I mean, usually when I look at Antrim, I'm looking for what Neil McManus scores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the way it's been. But I suppose uh, it's like anything, you know, if you take, if you take a central figure out of, out of a lot of teams when they're not there, other guys tend to, tend to stand up and... Uh, and put the put the shoulder to the wheel, and that's what happened to you know, Other new guys have uh, have stuck their hand back up, and we've got back some some key players as well. You see, Kieran Carter in the last couple of weeks since uh, you know yeah. I think scored two eight and two six in the in the in the first two games. Kieran was carrying an injury there for most of last year and early this year, and he has been a big player for Antrim in the past, and he's he's still only in his mid twenties as well, so he's a uh, 
he's been a big show on and of course we have a young Dunlai team coming through with lots of lots of talented forwards and uh, the first two games then we you know we were missing James McNaughton as well who's uh, out of Lockheed of Shamrock's good player Michael Bradley Donald Nugent who you're all uh, heard of in the club championship there he's one arm, one arm display there in the, in the championship semi-final so you know they're all they've all been in and out and coming back so hopefully we'll get them all back for two weeks and we'll have a full hand stick with Right, okay. And like, I mean, even not just uh, people on your panel, you have a full injury-free panel, but do you have everybody in that you want to have in? Because I know that has been an issue, like Neil Pedden has, uh, was talking, I think it was last year where he was talking about problems getting fellas to commit into the panel. Yeah, that's it. That, that, that hasn't been an issue this year, you know. Um, it, took a, it took a long time to get us to, you know, to get the panel together. We, uh, so I got the job early September last year and Myself and uh, Johnny Campbell and Jim Close and Gary, we set up trying to get the the best players in the county in. And uh, you know, everybody we everybody we spoke to, you know, wanted to get wanted to be part of the project. There was um, there was maybe one or two guys there inside Narasa and they don't have Narasa early in the year just couldn't commit because of personal circumstances and that um, that we didn't get. But other than that, we have uh, we have a full hand to to play with out of the county. Which is Very, great. Yeah, um, yeah. Makes our job a bit easier. You, you you mentioned Johnny Campbell there. He's in with you as a coach. So like you've worked with Antrim before. You were a coach yourself. Have you taken a step back as a manager now and leaving it to Johnny, or are you kind of sharing it? No, Johnny is Johnny is doing ninety percent of it. I step in every now and then, um, try and get a bit done with the with the goalkeepers. But you know, right. overall, I'm just trying to do the just trying to do the management role and to make sure that the you know, the structures are in place and the training runs runs smoothly so that, you know, Johnny and Gary, Jim and uh, Brendan Murphy, who's our, who's our strength and conditioning coach, who's been an excellent addition to us, so they can go about their business. So mine is more uh, facilitating those guys' role this year. Right, right. Okay, so when you were up with Liam Sheedy, he brought you up as the goalkeeping coach. That was it. And look, goalkeeping coach is probably strong words, Colin. Uh, you know, Liam, Liam said to me one Saturday, um, are you available? I want you to come up and work with a young goalie here in Antrim. So I said, look, I go with you for the spin. And um, sure, then you know yourself, there's hurling matches on and training and stuff. And you, you like to be involved. So I was coming from finishing up with Tipperary. And, I sp- you know, it helped me fill the gap in my transition year from yeah. from not being involved. And uh, I got a great kick out of it. And sure, you know, you're on the road with another hurling person and the crack is good. And you're getting to see top level training and you know, I I kind of kind of got into it from there. I suppose I was I was nearly just a tag along for the start and started doing a bit of work with the goalkeepers and then on match day I was trying, you know doing a bit of keeping an eye on things and uh, chatting away with Liam and you know I, I enjoyed it and I kind of got a good link then with the Antrim boys. It, was, it took off from there then in 2019. Yeah, you're like Liam's apprentice. He must he must rate you highly because he brought you up to Antrim. He brought you into the tip setup last year then. Yeah, well, sure. You'll have to ask Liam now. I'm uh, <laughs> a bit long, a bit, bit long of a tooth for some of the prices, but uh, I don't know. Look, um, sure to be really to you know to tell you the the full extent of it. Like Liam is obviously my own club now. Um, yeah. He's he's when I was coming into you know starting playing with my own club. Liam was obviously the big player in the club. He was with you know on the county teams and. Had one under twenty one and and minor Ireland and that with tips. So you were, you know, you were looking up to him, and 
he was a uh, he was a person that was uh, he was easy to follow along with because he was so dedicated to hurling and you know there was a there was a, just a natural connection there as well because I was I was so big into it as well and um, he was a he was a great role model in the club for anyone that was interested in hurling. Right. Well, like I mean, Antrim were in a relegation playoff the year Liam was up there, and they're going flying it under you. So I'm sure you're reminding him of that. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's 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 hard to get the digs in when you're dealing with someone that's won a couple of hours. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just keep I'm just keeping my I'm keeping my mouth shut now, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we talk about uh, we talk about different things. <laughs> Come here. The commute must be a killer, though, is it? I was reading it's a seven-hour uh, round trip up there. It is, yeah, exactly. It's exactly uh, door to door, three hundred and fifty, three hundred fifty kilometers up and three fifty back. So seven hundred, seven hundred kilometers is what it takes. Um, but it's amazing, uh, Colin, when you get on the road, you know, you're clicked into, you're clicked into Antrim mode, and you're, you're organising stuff, and you're, you're getting a lot of things done there when you're talking away on the phone going up the road, and the time, the time flies by. Right. Time flies by. Yes. Well, the the hardest part of it is when. Uh, when everyone has the sense to turn off the phone and not answer me, you know, about quarter to twelve at night, <laughs> and uh, the next hour and a half there'll be a there'll be a lonely spin home. But I have the American election to keep me entertained at the moment. Yeah, like I mean, that is probably the killer then when the when people have got to bed and you're still on the on the way back down the road. Yeah, that's it. And the people keep recommending podcasts to me and 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 this and that, <laughs> and uh, I never I never get to them. I just you know you kind of. You kind of tune out from Ireland and that 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 time of the night then. Yeah, I hope you're. I hope they're recommending the GER anyway. So like, I mean, uh, because that's the one you're on, whether you know it or not. Oh, I do. I know it. I know it. <laughs> Come here. You mentioned the strength and conditioning coach uh, Brendan Murphy. He is international experience. Like you've nutritionists in there. Like I mean, we mentioned Johnny Campbell as a highly regarded coach. Is getting that backroom team together a really important kind of part of the management setup because like the more professional it is, the more it impresses players, the more they believe in the whole kind of thing. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, how do you get how do you get players in first of all is the question. Um you put the most professional setup you can in front of them and say this is where you want to be competing, this is where you want to be training, this is where you're going to find out um, you know, can you play at the highest level? You know, it's going to be in place for you. And it's up to you to test yourself in that environment. So that's the first thing, you know, that I've learned over time you have to do. And as a player, that's what I always wanted, you know, was to was to be able to test yourself against the best. And um I think I think most of us are the same, you know, you're probably aware of yourself, you know, when you see a good setup in front of you there and you kind of eat up those you eat up those training sessions when you know it's gonna be good and when you know the support around the trainings is uh, is to, uh, is the top top quality. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's it. It's been key. It's been key to us, Brendan Murphy coming in. Um, he doesn't get enough, you know, recognition from what he's done. Like he's he's been dealing at Olympic level in in cycling, and I suppose he's uh, you know married now and has started a family and wants to settle himself back in uh, back in Newry there, which is only a short thing up to Belfast. And him coming him coming on board has been a has been a great fill up for us. How much does strength and conditioning matter in hurling, especially with one of the Joe McDonough Cup uh, teams? Would it, like uh, I don't know. There's a part of me thinking maybe the the skills is more important at that level than the strength and conditioning. Maybe I'm completely wrong on that. No, I think but look, there is there is equal importance, equal importance. Like 
Um, you you go down to Carlo there last Saturday, which we have to do with. You meet a really strong, you know, a strong physical Carlo team, and I mean, uh, you have to be you have to be in prime condition to be able to compete down there. And like the, the intensity levels in the Joe McDonough are they're, they're quite high. They're quite high. You've seen that when Leach came over last year. Yeah. Um, those boys were they weren't found wanting physically above and crow park against the Ferrari. Yeah, I suppose there's a lot. Of, traditionally, you're not allowed to tackle the man in hurling, but we're seeing a lot of kind of the arm around the belly, and you maybe you need that kind of physical strength to hold a lad up. Oh yeah, Jesus, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, because that was uh, it's, it's always a physical, a physical enough game. It's um, it's uh, it's becoming more uh, it's becoming more recognisable the work that the players are doing. Like if you see the condition of Limerick boys in Cork last weekend, um. He's, you know they're they're all going around to look like rugby centres. You know they're they're so yeah. well built and and uh, all well able to motor as well. And most teams are most teams are like that now. And that's that's the base that we need to get in an answer. We're in the first year of that strength conditioning program. Um, you know it's it's hard on some guys. Um, you know we have we've you have to realise we have a very young squad as well, and we have to adapt them to that kind of training. So it's um. We're doing well to integrate it as as well as we have. Yeah, you definitely you definitely are. Come here, just as a matter of interest, when they're playing Carlo, you hardly go the whole way up there to come down to Carlo. You meet them there. You'd meet them in Carlo. Oh, jeez, oh, I would. Yeah, I'd meet them in Carlo. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. No, no, I'm not that big of a lunatic. No, but I just travel <laughs> all the way up, all the way come up here. to meet them and, and to get on the bus and come down. <laughs> okay, that was a stupid question. Come here, you've Kerry next and. Uh, like, I mean, you beat them in the league final. It's in your own hands now, though, you know, to make this Joe McDonough Cup final. You win the next two games, you're you're guaranteed to be in it. There's no doubt about that, especially after, like you said, the two hardest games probably on paper over you. Yeah, the, there's, there's not much between any any of the teams. And I know, you know, Mead, I suppose, didn't get off to a great start below in, uh, below in three either. But, uh, you know, they were they won the Christie ring last year. They're stepping up. Um, but for us and Kerry, uh, if either of us win our last two games, we're in the final. Carlo are looking at it if they can win. If they can win the games in front of us, they're in the final. So um, it's a really tight competition. It's a great competition. It is, um, yeah. One that's I'm glad you're. You know, me and you were having this conversation here to give the competition a bit of promotion as well because it's it's been fantastic since it came in there three years ago, and um, there's been great scoring. Like if you look back through, through the finals, through most of the the group games there's been some some really fantastic scoring and good games in it. But ourselves and Kerry have uh, we keep bumping into each other. This is our third time meeting this year. Um they're coming up to us in Corrigan Park in Belfast. So um that would be a good game. There was three points in it in the league final. Kerry have added a few boys back into it now for the county champions, Kill Miley. Um Daniel Collins is one of them, you know, a good player. And as, as you said already, like we'll have Neil McManus and a couple of others back, so that'll be that'll be a game to keep an eye on. Yeah, it definitely will. Just I suppose one of the big challenges is keeping them all healthy. You know, like I mean, you lose two or three players and all the different guidelines and all those kind of things. I suppose it's just a matter of doing the right things and hoping for the best, like every other county. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly it. Would you believe there's a the midweek match there? Uh, between the league final and our first and our first uh, Joe McDonough match, you know we couldn't we couldn't train that week. You know we're following all the following all the protocols. We had the testing. Uh, luckily enough, we had followed the GEA protocols and it didn't become a cluster. 
right. um, that it was only it was only a couple of close contacts, um, and of course the boys that had tested positive. So thankfully the protocols worked for us on that front. Um, but you know we have two people we have two people in the in the background which I believe uh, looking after COVID responsibilities. You know, so Neil Neil Peden, you mentioned there earlier on, he's the director of Hurland. He's taken on the COVID officer role uh, with another guy, Matthew Muldoon, who normally looks after the GPS and that. So, like, it's amazing. COVID is is nearly the front and centre focus for everything now, training and matches. Yeah, geez, I was going to say that's a bit of a demotion for Neil to be demoted from director of Hurling down to COVID officer. <laughs> no, but that's just, that shows you the, that shows you the merit of the man who can do anything for anything to go on. But no, Neil, uh, like it's a complicated thing. Uh, recently had kinds of cases. You'd want to, you'd want to be a doctor to to understand the, the ins and outs of it. But uh, yeah. we got we got through it anyway. We got to the match. Yeah. So, no safety is safety is amazing now, and just all the arrangements and uh, and the tracking that goes on with it. It's it's um it's testing. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Come here, listen. I'll let you go. I know you're commuting on up to train, and there. I don't want to have you late. It's great to see Antrim back. Uh, you know, hurling well again and going well. So best of luck in the rest of the year. The All Ireland, the the Joe McDonough Cup final is on the same day as the All Ireland, so that would be a great day. I'm sure it'd be on television as well. Um, so yeah. that that that'd be a great one to get into. Thanks very much, Darren. I appreciate the call. It would. Lovely talk to you. Thanks, Colin. And the yeah. game takes on can very very often into going a life its own. What's tactics? I mean, you've got to make decisions and you've got to decide what you're going to do. And at the end of the day, you hand it over to the players and the players play, you know. The game was fast, was furious, was, it had everything really, you know. And you're, you don't have too much influence on what's happening. What happened last year, it goes out the window or the year before or whenever it was. Tipperary, don't go away. They are, they are as they are. And the yeah. game takes on, can very, very often into a life of its own. Okay, so the big qualifier this weekend is uh, Dublin and Cork. You'd have to say one of the two of these are going to be going out of the championship. This is on uh, on Sky. Um, it'd be fair to say Cheddar Dublin are coming in psychologically in a better place. Like I mean, Cork very very disappointing. Same old same old out of them. No huge changes to their team. The change the only change kind of to their team is uh, young Connery coming in ahead of uh, Aidan Walsh, but he was injured in the warm up. So like I mean. They, I don't know. Like, I mean, where where do you see where do you see both of these teams coming into this one? No, I think you're calling it right. Um, look, Dublin were hurled off the field for 35 minutes, um, and then they changed their method, um, and they got a foothold in the game, and and uh, you know could have very well won the game, which you know at half time you would have been gobsmacked to even think about think like that. Um, so you know, is it is it based on a genuine performance, or we don't know this? Or can he just simply? step away from the game for the second 35 minutes. Yeah, but nonetheless, psychologically, I think the fight back was 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 really important and, you know, bringing that down. And they don't fear Cork either. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll certainly, they'll probably will be the team that they'll look to play and they'll be quite happy with that and they'll be quite happy that it's in Semple Stadium as well. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what Dublin will do. You know, will they go with a sweeper now again um, against Cork and start that way? You know, what if they had a part started uh, the, the start of the game against Kenny as they did in the finish, and you know we'll we'll talk about this another. 
it's it, it struggle to put your finger on how Kilkenny struggle against sweeper teams so many times. You know, it's it's, it's difficult to figure that out. But look, I, I think. Cork, um, you know, every single year, first of all, I, I just love their style of hurling going way, way back. Um, you know, they've had some iconic teams, some iconic players. Um, and, you know, they bring an awful lot, obviously bring an awful lot to hurling. Um, but they're just struggling at the minute to fix the things that will make them an All-Ireland Championship winning team. And that's surprising because, the, the, you know... Um, Ryan spoke about Derry a minute ago. Derry might have two or three clubs. Missing four or five slot meal players is a massive blow to Derry. But to Cork, that would be no problem at all. You know, they probably have one player from each club. It's 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 interesting. Have they anybody from Black County Champions, for example? Uh, maybe one or two from the Glen, the county finalists. I know Downey's playing with him now, and, and obviously Pat Horgan. Um, but the last day they were missing there, if it's given, um, you know, obviously a, a big player for them, a real engine room player for them. And, you know, Splann and Welsh went off. And they were missing Robert Flynn as well. I think he might have been suspended the last day. Um, with the exception of Dara, given, you know, are, are either are any of those game-breaking players that are going to go away and win an option for you? would probably say no. Um, they have introduced some good young players like Connor and the likes of uh, Sean Leary Hayes and Downey. I think you know, you know, will, I, I think he would be a, a fine player. But for some reason or other, um, we just keep going back to this every single time. And look, their lack of cut against Waterford was surprising, you know. And it's just, it's just surprising, you know. It's all right to say Cork are a top of the ground hurling team, but I can tell you, I can name a long list of Cork hurlers that didn't take prisoners when they were hurling. And, and I, I don't think Cork should just focus on that, but they don't seem to get that that physical competitiveness that you're looking for in your team. Those just doesn't seem to be there. Um, and I, you know, I, I spoke the last day about a, a tight set of backs who can defend well, um, and then when they have the ball, can be creative and can be good distributors on the ball. They seem to struggle with it, although they've got some fantastic, skillful hurlers. But the, I think the crucial thing is. From eight up to fifteen, they've got some incredible stick men, but actually none of them, none of them seem to want to work hard to win the ball back. And you know, if you were to compare that to the likes of a, a Bonner Marr type player um, who is selfless, who will never ever give up. Like I don't know how many times I see Cork forwards, and I'm going maybe going back to the last couple of years now at this stage, who are very very creative with the ball in the hand. Uh, you know, they will work the space and work the ball and all of that. But if the move breaks down, they simply stand and watch the opposition bring the carry the ball out of the defence. Um, instead of having a work ethic that if I'm corner forward, my tackling range is actually from the end line out to the middle of the field. And I will be seen out there a few times and I'll rip the skin off the water man or a, or, or a Dublin man. We just don't see that with Cork. And it's, you know, there's just everybody is saying it and it's difficult to get it. Is the whole culture now in Cork hurling uh, all about use the ball, creativity, um, you know, all of that, you know, and is there enough culture in car curling around real competitiveness and real dog in a fight uh, uh, type stuff. I don't know, but certainly the, the couple of crucial things in car curling haven't been solved, I feel. And the, the pity about that is they have the ability to win in All-Ireland if they've just got them right. Yeah. Do these players deserve another chance, Brian? I know they, they turned around a bad performance against Tipperary. Was it last year or the year before and went beat Limerick in the Gaelic round? But why did they need an embarrassing performance to do that? Why, what's wrong with this team that they, they go out and you know give these lacklustre performances? And is it time to rip up this, this team and, and, and start again? Yeah, look, there's a couple of things there in that. Uh, 
I disagree with Cheddar. I don't think they're an All Ireland winning team. They're far from it. Um, they just don't have all the nuts and bolts of actually what it takes to get over the line. And he's one hundred percent right in terms of that physicality, that cutting edge that they need to play top level inter county. Have they the skill? Oh, without doubt. Have the flair players? Oh, without doubt. But obviously, winning All Ireland finals is so much more than that. So you know, I think, I think we. I think do the players deserve another chance? The way they, the, because Kieran Kingston has actually picked them um, for the panel for this year, yes, they probably do. Um, but it, you're dead right in your point that why does it always take this? Uh, this is the bed. This is the bed that Kieran Kingston and, and, has, and has Brent, obviously put himself into, and that he has to lie down in now and try and sort out. But but you look, you look, Brian. We're, we're coming off last year against Kilkenny, an absolute. Yeah, but, but obviously, Kieran Kingston went in this year, and, and I know he's he like, that, look. This is probably yeah. the disappointing thing about this, and this is why I know I, like, I can imagine what it's like for Cork people. The championship has been put back, and you know the, they knew they were playing water from a long, long way out. And you're going, how did they not think that Waterford would bring that performance last Saturday? You know, in terms of physicality, in terms yeah. of the want to win, the want to win ugly ball. If you know anything about Liam Cal, that's exactly and Mikey Bevins. That's how they set up their teams. Obviously. Leave alone the whole tactical side of things. Just the, the way that he prepares these teams and, and, and has them playing with that rawness. And the fact that obviously this Waterford team has, been, has not uh, won cha- a game in Munster over the last number of years. They were always going to throw the kitchen sink in it. And if you were going to say something about Cork, you're going to have to say, well, look, we are going to have to meet that fire with fire. No doubt about it. That's the only way we can we can meet this, and then obviously hope that their their greater hurling ability and their flair players, when they've met their match for maybe the sixty sixty fifth minute, maybe the seventieth minute, like that, then their flair players can finally find that bit of breathing space to get them over the line. I'm just I was just gobsmacked, and as I said, I'm sure the Cork general public, hurling public, are the exact same to how those players thought that they could go out and just play tippy tappy hurling. Um, Particularly, okay, the weather was okay. It was a bit windy, but you know, particularly this time of year, how they thought that that would get them over the line again. So that's probably the most disappointing thing you I seen from that Cork team, both from the players and probably from management. Right, but the main thing. I, I, I might just come in after Brian there. Um, I, I I think Brian has sort of hit the nail on the head there, and, and it's interesting that Liam Cattle has now played Cork three times in the last couple of years, being a serious underdog in the three games, and come out and won won them easily, two hundred twenty ones, and and now a senior. But um, I think that that mix that Brian talks about there, there's just something missing there. And I, I just go back maybe to the Cork County final. I, you know, are we talking up Cork maybe too much? And it's a, it's a point that Brian is making here because I looked at the Cork County final. Um, you know, albeit it was on, it was it was on the streaming, and you know, you don't see everything that goes on. I much prefer to, to make comments have been at the match. Uh, and there's a lot of people talk about the Cork County final. They actually thought that the quality was very, very poor in it. Um, and with the exception of Alan Connolly up front and maybe one or two others, you didn't see a whole lot more that had the ability to, 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 to you know, go into a Cork team and be a game-breaker team, grab the team by the scruff of the neck and go on and win things. Now, I do know that that's not as big an issue in Cork because there's so many quality clubs. And I also know that the intermediate final was of a much higher quality. But the other point to that that I wanted to make, you know, generally speaking, your clubs are indicative of your county. Cork clubs dominated All-Ireland Senior Club hurling championship all through the 70s and early 80s, um, but it ha- hadn't been dominant at all in the last couple of years. 
And, you know, when you look at Kenny, you look at Ballyhale, and you look at Kenny, for example, winning senior, intermediate, and junior in the one year. And I know there's other reasons for that. You know, maybe... You know, maybe people do need to look a little bit more at, uh, you know, certain things in car curling. And I'll just wrap all I'm going to say on that. I do know that that has been looked at. And I do know the unerate structure and the development in Cork has been completely revamped. And I do think that, you know, they will go on. And if they win one, they'll probably be dominated again. But I think if they don't get this mix right of aggressive uh, physical hurling mixed with the with the, with the creative hurling at the right time, um, they may have to wait a little bit longer to get there, perhaps. Yeah, Brian, we're going to lose you. You have to go back to school. We hear the bell ringing there um, a couple of times. I get a tip off you quickly in this one before you have yeah, to go. Yeah, well, look, I, I'm not sure where they where they are with. Owen Cadigan, I think he's a loss in terms of his aggressiveness. He's a bit of a rogue on the field as well. He's a no-nonsense type of player. Um, that was definitely missed from the, from the Cork backline. Obviously, we know how good Dara Fitzgibbon is as well. I'm not sure how fit he's going to be either. <clears throat> um, and He is a loss. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to see more from, you know, in terms of a, a full performance and likes Alan Cadigan. He's some man to blow it up in the first 20 minutes. And you think this guy is just awesome. And then how many times have we seen him being taken off by the end of the game? And it's just the cornerback seems to get a grip of him. And I know maybe that may be a tactical thing that the other team closed down space or whatever. But, you know, these, this, that player has to be able to learn how to do that in the real cut and trust of, you know, tough inter-county hurling. To go back to the, to the point, what, who do I pick? I, maybe I'm mad, but I'm going to give Cork a bit of a reprieve and say, surely to God, there's something in these players. You know, if they really, if there's anything in them, they have to come out and win this game on Saturday. So I'll give that to Cork. Okay, good stuff, Brian. We'll talk to you uh, next Thursday. One other thing about Cork, um, Cheddar, before I get a tip off you as well, is they made Tyke de Burke look like a hero. And that's very uncork like because we know. They like to play it short, play lovely diagonal balls into the full forward line and cut the sweeper out, a bit like Limerick do. And unusual even tactically for them to have been putting ball down on top of the burka. Yes, it was. Um, it is It is unusual for them. But I, I, I think in fairness to, to Kieran, I think that's what they're trying to get. They're trying to get that mix right. And, you know, they're, they're bringing Damien out to the half-back line, for example, and, and, and uh, different things like that, uh, trying to get the mix right in that. Um um, so I, I, I'm not surprised uh, to an extent that if that's what they're trying, well, then, you know, some of the direction of those clearances might be, might be right. Um, but I think if you have Cadogan and if you have Pat Horgan and some of those players inside, uh, you know, God, you, you, you've got to play. You cannot, you cannot just lash the ball off the field here no. with that type of player inside. You know, that would be very, very dangerous. Uh, and look, I, I, I think... You know, clearly at the weekend, if, you know, the likes of Darifitz Gibbon and, and some of those players are back, um, it, you know, it will make a difference to them. And they have some, they have good young players. You know, I saw them in the 21s last year as well. There's, there's an O'Connell chapter in Middleton. There's a number of players there that are very good. But a lot of them are broadly similar players. Um, you know, our, you know, Cork have been maybe trying to get, find a Tim Crowley type player, or I can go back maybe to the 60s, a Paddy Higgerty, a Yahoo, um, you know, fellas who just made things happen. You know, and I always bring it back to the Goner, to the Bonner, you know, selfless players um, that can just make plays for players or for players around and win the dirty balls, get into tackles and all of those type of things. Um, just getting that mix right. And sometimes that might be just one player. One player might just do the business for you um, and suddenly you click and off you go. And I think Cork are waiting for that. Um, but 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 um, I think look I I go with Brian. Um, it's, it's more than anything else. It's just giving them a reprieve here. Um, I'm not sure that the Dublin performance in the second half 
was more to do with them really stepping it up, you know, yeah. finding a way and stepping it up and going for it. Um, and you know, are they going to play then with a? Are they going to play with a sweeper uh, at the weekend? And if they do, who is going to be the Cork sweeper? Because these are the crucial things. If you're trying to get aggressive into your back line, you're more than likely not picking a, a sweeper type player then. Um, you know, and and some some of the times this is what's happening. The teams that you're playing against, you know, play in different ways and your team is not properly set up to play against that. So, so you need a much wider panel with much more in-depth, different type players to be able to handle different situations. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Cork will do. And I'm surprised that that Cork, um, you know, it's not a lack of fight. No player goes into a Munster semi-final or a ranking like that for a lack of fight. It's just that lack of energy and lack of just doing the job. Um, and, you know, with, with Dermot and that over the team, and I know other people have been involved in it, I'm just surprised that that's not nailed, that we don't see high energy, high aggressiveness, high physicality, um, matching in along with the creativity and the intelligent type of play which they're well capable of doing. Um, you know, so it just tells you how hard it is to get that right when you even have quality players and you have a big volume of, of them, it just tells you how hard it is to get that right, Willie. Yeah, no, it definitely does. The other uh, big game this weekend is Clare and Leash. Um, it's in Nolan Park at uh, quarter past one. It's on GA Go. Like, I mean, Leash have got some positives in that Jack Kelly and Mark Cavan are back and some negatives in that Ronan Broderick and James Ryan are out. James Ryan broke his finger. Um, I think it was in the last game. Broderick did his cruise shit. He's gone. Um, as well. Big issue for Leash uh, Cheddar is the sweeper situation. So Sean Downey didn't work at all as far as I would be concerned. Um, offered nothing. Like the great thing about John Lennon is that he, he not only is he a good sweeper defensively, he's an, he sets up all their attacks, a bit like Foley from Wexford and Leash and Wexford's uh, uh, system wouldn't be all that dissimilar. Paddy Purcell ended up back being a sweeper. He, he improved it a bit actually, but he's a bit of a waste there. Here's a question. Would someone like Aaron Dunphy be a very good attacking sweeper who could take the game to the opposition from deep. Um, look, you could, I suppose. He certainly, sorry, he certainly would be. He has all the attributes to be that. Um, you know, sweepers have to have certain attributes. You know, fantastic first touch, very, very good uh, control of the ball on the ground because that's what you're mostly going to be winning. Real quickness to go front foot, real vision to be able to distribute properly. And I think Aaron Dunphy would also give you uh, that extra thing that Davies trying to bring to Wexford, and that is your sweeper getting up the field to hurt the opposition. The difficulty, though, in niche is that you know Aaron Dunphy is you know one of your top forwards, and yeah. you, you may not have the strength and depth in your forward line to be able to to be able to to to, to bring him back to field. You maybe you don't. Um, so I, I don't know whether that answers your, your your question. But if you look at I think this is a really good game for Leash um, for a couple of perspectives. First of all, the game's in Nolan Park. Um, and look, we've been beaten by Clare before. I remember when I went down myself with Clare, with Leash. And, but only the time we played Clare, it was in Ennis. And I remember going down there in 2013 and, and you know, we were well beaten. But Clare went on and won in All-Ireland the same year, you know. So maybe yeah. that little things in perspective. But going to Nolan Park for Leash, you know, is a very, very different thing than going down to Ennis. And going to Ennis for any team, and Clare has hammered every team in Ennis, to be honest with you. But I think the crucial thing for Clare is, you know, they have been missing John Connell and Podge Collins, Peter Duggan, and I think Colin Galvin. Um, you know, in the game that against Limerick, and they were they were fairly in that game, maybe up to a little bit up to half time, certainly, but maybe a little bit over dependent on Tony Kelly. Um, and uh, the point I make is, if you were to take Aaron Gillan, who might be similar to Conlon, Graham Mulcahy similar to Podge, 
Um, Jared Hegarty similar to Peter Duggan and Keen Lynn similar to Colin Galvin out of the Limerick team would you get the performance you got last Sunday I don't think you would um, so I think if those four players clearly some of them are going to be missing um, um, at the weekend well, they'll, all, they'll, they'll all be missing you'd imagine they're all, all, all of those are out yeah, yeah you know you, you imagine now look uh, um, Claire will have more time to to rearrange things, and you know they'll have the game against Limerick, and you know that they have serious intentions there. They obviously have ambitions about all Ireland's and and that. Um, but you know, and they'll have more time to to reshape their team and that. But nonetheless, they are big hits. So I think those two things, um, you know, the actual venue is is certainly um, very helpful to Leeds, and, and the fact that they're missing some some key players here, um, you know, so it, it definitely levels it up um, for Leeds, and you know, Leeds should be confident going down there, and you know, should be going down there setting up their team for real performance and go and, and, and go and right have a right go at the game. Yeah. One other thing, and I don't want to be too critical of Leash again, but like I mean Picky Marr looked like he was in great form against Dublin. He scored two brilliant points um from play, but he was always out the field. And then you look at going into Ross King and he's gone in two against one situation. And I don't know was that a tactic to bring him out as well, but wouldn't you love to see him stay inside with Ross King and at a minimum have two lads in there because I do understand you have to balance you know, being the underdog with flooding the middle and everything. But then sometimes it's almost like under Waterford under Derek McGrath. You'll end up driving it down to a fella who's maybe two or three on one and it just it's just coming back out with you again. I think I think that's what Davy has brought. Um, you know, I don't really like calling the sweeper system because, you know, uh, the way Wexford played last year wasn't really it was it wasn't really a sweeper system. It was an extra player, you know, linking midfield to to, to, to defence. Um, and I think that has brought that to a new level. Um, and I think you know teams clearly have figured out you know the way to play against the sweeper at, the, at this stage. So you, you you need to be able to create a fantastic platform coming out of your defence to be able to ping a really accurate ball to a player moving into space. Um, and to be able to take the the the, the, um, the sweeper out of that equation, um, you know, and sometimes you may not just have the top quality player to be able to do that. And it's interesting that we're going back to talk about Wexford. I was interested in your conversation earlier, Wooly, uh, because I don't think I, I think the clearly the Wexford issue last weekend was really a lack of energy, and that needs to be answered. Why was there a lack of energy in the team? Um, that's one thing. But I think the other things that really need to be fixed, plan possession, hurling, and picking the pass coming out of the fence and that type of play, um, it is better if you were going front foot. Uh, you know, soccer might go lateral and soccer might go backwards um, for, for, for different reasons. And, you know, maybe hurling can be played like that, um, but I, I just wouldn't favour that. And I thought that Wexford went lateral or went back way, way too much last weekend and didn't have that front foot, break the tackle, drive out two and one, person in open space, pick pick the space. Because if you go backward, you're there's a, there's a lot of moving parts that need to be got right at the same time. And one of those is that when you win possession on your back line and you're going to bring it up the field, there's, you know, you're forward he's going to have to make space for himself. He's probably going to be maybe three on two or something like that. And he's going to have to make space. And the timing of his run or maybe a decoy run for the other forward is very much dependent on when you think the defender is going to actually play the ball. And that final ball has to lead to a score creation. And I just thought that all of that part of Wexford's game, which was very good last year, was quite lazy last weekend, maybe just to, due to a lack of energy. But it definitely didn't have that front foot feel to it and that real... Um, um, decisiveness about it and that penetration about it and I think maybe that's what Davey was referring to and of course if that's a lack of energy um, you know that needs to be needs to be handled as well but I think 
I think um, I think just going back to leash, um, you know, if you play broadly similar to that, um, that pace coming out of the defence, that use of that extra player is huge. He's not just there as a sweeper to mop up ball. That's half his job. He's probably only a third of his job. You know, how creative can he be in your game plan to set up your scoring opportunities up front? And certainly the likes of Picky and Ross and Aaron Dunphy, and those are very, very skillful and very, very uh, clinical players. But they'll only be clinical if you can give them a real chance to get the ball away and get the shot away. Um, and so all of those moving parts have got to work well. Um, you know, so even if, even if you were playing Jack Kelly as the sweeper or, or, or Paddy as the sweeper and, and he's coming off the back line and he's the main man that you're going to try and find to distribute the ball up the field, well, Picky needs to make his run at some stage just prior to him hitting the ball to actually get to get into the space first. And he may actually run that by running maybe a cut first of all to take the defender out of the way. All those parts have got to really click uh, to get this right. Um, and, you know, so, so it's not just necessarily playing them up there. It's, you know, what are they doing? You know, what's the timing of what they're doing? All of those things, all of the parts, it's like the cog in the wheel. All of the parts needs to move at the same time for the thing to really work well. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, is, is there a is there a, a theory that Leash and Wexford's running game, because they like to run with the ball, you know, whereas Limerick or Cork last year, the year before, might be able to, they, they ping the ball around a little bit more, but they often Leash and Wexford, is there is there a, an argument that winter hurling doesn't suit that? Is there an argument that teams have figured this out and are blocking the one-two? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so, Willie. I, I think the top players are just so accurate um, and so mobile at the minute, to be honest with you, they could play it on, on a skating ring and they would do well with it. You've got to bear in mind, you know, you talk about that there, you know, there's high movement in that type of game, and there is. There's equally high movement if you hit a ball high up the field and you give the ball away, and now you've got to fight to win it back. Why not use all your energy when you have possession to make it work for you rather than just give it away cheaply, and now you're going to have to expend an awful lot more energy to get it back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sort of makes sense. There's clearly a balance in the, in the middle somewhere, Willie, that you're trying to achieve. You know, you cannot, no team is going to allow you to just hold on to the ball and start pinging it around the place like tennis. They're not going to do that. But, but you, you're trying yeah. to reduce the split percentage of 50-50 competitive ball to more creative ball in your side. Ultimately, that's what you're trying to do with this type of system. Um, I've, I've, Chedra, I've made that point in the football before. When you talk about intensity, it, it always it's always used in the context of getting the ball back. It's never used in the context of intensity, of movement, and of what you're going to do when you when you do get the ball, do you know what I mean? The intensity word is always used for 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 winning the ball back. I absolutely, fully agree with you. Um, you know, and even if we were to, I think intensity is just a word that's overused. I suppose if you were if you were say I'm going to commit a huge amount of energy when I'm on the ball in support play and in you know creating opportunities and all of that, you know why wouldn't you do that and hold on to the ball um, rather than just knocking it up in the air and go 50-50 and they win it back and you win some and they win some, um, you know, and that type of stuff. I, I, I just think that it would make more sense to be really intelligent. When you have the ball, be an absolute animal when you don't have it and when you have it, be a scientist. Use the ball really, really well. I, I, I think that would make more sense. Yeah, exactly. An animal scientist maybe would work. Uh, would work when you have it. Who do you fancy in this one? Leash will never have a better chance of beating um, a monster team, Cheddar. For being honest, like I mean, if Leash need to make a step up, like you say, clear without those players coming off conceding thirty six points, you know, hammered in the in the second half against Limerick. One other question, along with your tip, 
who man marks Tony Kelly? Because if you're going to tell me that Tony Kelly doesn't need to be man marked, I'll pull my hair out because that's just madness. That's what Limerick tried to do. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was very, very surprised at that. Um, he's an exceptional player and has been for a number of years. He's not just this year. He's an, he's an exceptional player at, at knowing where the ball should be, but more than important than that, knowing where he should be um, and get, just getting into the right player. And, of course, he's so efficient on the ball. I mean, he gets a shot away and the ball's over the bar and I wonder where the bloody hell did he come out of. Um, <laughs> I think particularly for Leash, they're, they're clearly going to have to put a man marker on him. Um, and, you know, you're probably going to have to completely give up your own game to do that because, you know, it's not going to be nice and it shouldn't be nice. Um, and uh, then, of course, you need to be disciplined because, you know, you're going to get a yellow card earlier on, well, then you're going to be taken off the field because you're too risky. Tony will play on your game then and create another yellow card and you're off the field. Um, so, so, But I, I do think that that has to be done. He's just too good. And I think Brian has found a role for Tony that's not in the middle of the field. In other words, not running at the fences. He's actually coming from the back out rather than coming from his own side of the field up. You know, in other words, you can see him. Um, so, so if Tony Kelly was playing previous to this, a defence can see him coming up the field, you know, and may be able to a, 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 adapt their, you know, their their, their game and their defensive uh, screen to be able to manage him. But when he's coming from behind your back out into the play, you don't see him. He's much more difficult than to manage. And I think you would have to man mark him in that situation. And I think, you know, I'd be surprised if Lee's don't, uh, you know, make some attempt. You know, you, you, you certainly want zonal mark with him anyway, because he will just destroy you too quickly. Yeah, no, that's what Limerick tried to do. The problem with that is that if the man mark him, then the sweeper becomes an, a centre-back rather than a sweeper. He, he may be, but, you know, why not? You know, that's why your that's why your sweeper is so important. He's also he's also good to have around as your second tackler in something yeah. like that. You know, so if Tony does win the ball and there's somebody on, on the left shoulder and, you know, has, is, is uh, shunting him away from the goal, well, look, you can get in and double-team him and, and, and uh, push him out to the sideline and rip the ball off him if you're able to do that. Um, so so there, there's, there's advantages to do that but if you do win the ball back or you deny Tony the ball and you win it back you know you really need to go front foot out of your defence at that stage and of course your next your, I just keep making the point that your distribution needs to be really accurate to the right place to hold possession going up the field yeah it definitely does so I'm not going to ask you your prediction because you've never you're never back yeah. against Leash no, I, I think, this, think it'll be close enough though to be fair um, oh yeah no, I'm, look, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it um, I'm really looking forward to it I think I think the team were disappointed. I'm not close to the team as such, so so this is not a a comment from comments from the dressing room or anything like that. Um, but I think the team was just disappointed that you know that it just didn't really hit the ground running against Dublin and Croke Park. Um, you know, considering the performances there last year, and I think you have to bring that hurt to the game and really get stuck into the game early. Uh, certainly the times when we played Clare before. Now bear in mind they're an all Ireland winning team, but you know, Clare just rode us over too quickly that you know you didn't have time to draw breath and find your feet and get going again. Um, I think it would be important that you know at least get into Northern Park, really hit the ground running early in the game, make it super competitive and then stay with Clare and push ahead of them if they can. And I think you know bringing the hurt out of Croke Park the last day will certainly help with that. That you know a lot of players were maybe a little bit disappointed with their performance and that they can certainly do more. Yeah, exactly. Great stuff, Cheddar. Um, we'll be back on Monday and we'll review, review all those games. Um, so we'll talk to everybody then. Good luck. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. 
but it's harder to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.